Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Pastor Amy, um, I'm so excited to be able to kick off our At The Movies series, 80s edition. I tried to look the part here, um, but I'm really excited for us to dive into um, this At The Movies series and to be taking a look at some of Hollywood's best 80s films. And so just be sure to grab some of those tickets because this is a great way to invite your friends to come on out and join us all month long. And so um, that trailer showed some really funny parts of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I don't know, who's, who here has seen the movie? Okay, some of you have, some of you have. I don't know, who here knows what the 1980s was? <laughs> like is, like do you know in the 1980s? Um, I was an 80s baby, and so um, we're just excited um, to be starting this series uh, with Ferris Bueller's Day Off. And so um, we're going to be looking at some more clips and be discussing what authority in our lives looks like. And so as I rewatched this movie, I realized there was this repetitive theme in the story. It was like this theme of rebellion, right? Ferris, he just kind of rebels against authority, skips school as much as he wants, uh, goes where he wants, does what he wants, tricks his parents, um, you know, he's kind of at odds with his principal. His principal's constantly trying to catch him in the act of skipping school. Um, and I think most of the 1980s was about rebellion. And so today we're going to talk about two opposites. We're going to talk about rebellion. Everyone say rebellion, rebellion. and authority. Very good. So rebellion is the process of resisting authority. It's just an open resistance to authority. It's saying, I am going to just openly demonstrate that I don't care what you have to say about blank. And so when I think about this word authority, I think of my own children. I'm a parent of two. And so uh, maybe you're a parent here as well. Maybe you think of your children. If they're small, maybe you think, wow. Wow, they like to rebel at bedtime, you know, or if they're big, they rebel by staying out past curfew. Uh, maybe you think of yourself in high school, right? Maybe you fell into that rebellious category in high school, or, you know, we might consider the car that speeds past us on um, the, the um, LIE. They're rebellious, right? We're just really bad people. Those are the rebellious people. And so this morning, as we unpack scripture, we will discover that we all rebel against authority in our lives. And so authority represents the decision maker, um, the power to direct or control outcomes. Who here likes to be told what to do all the time? Bueller. Bueller, no one. Okay. No one likes to be told what to do all the time. But the truth is we all have authority 
in our lives and over our lives. Maybe it's your boss, your parent for the students in the room. Um, it can be a landlord or, you know, someone that um, the lawmakers of this country, they set their authority. But we rarely welcome authority into our lives because you and I believe we know what's best. And so today we're going to discover together that we're all rebellious, but we all have opportunity to submit to God as authority in our lives. And so Ferris Bueller in our movie, he's constantly skipping school to just take a mental health day, enjoy life. In that trailer, we see him opening the curtains and saying, how can I possibly be expected to handle school on a day like this? And you know, the sun is shining, it's beautiful. Like, why would I even go to school today? And so he has this mentality and he drags his friends into it as well. Um, and he sets up this little trick to trick the principal into getting his girlfriend Sloan to also be let out of school so that they can go have a really uh, great day off. So let's take a look at this clip. That looks way more fun than going to high school, right? I mean, I would choose that too over high school. Ferris, he has a good excuse. School is boring and the sun is shining, but having a good excuse does not mean it's a good choice. And so can I confess to you this morning, I skipped out of high school a few more times than I'm proud of. Um, I don't know if senior cut day is still a thing, but it's a lot of fun. Um, but I don't think that uh, rebellion started in the 1980s. And I don't think rebellion started with Ferris Bueller's day off and skipping school. Uh, we're going to go back to the very first people God created, Adam and Eve, and we're going to uh, see what they did to rebel against God. Um, so he creates Adam and Eve, and he places them in the most beautiful place ever, the Garden of Eden. And when he put them there, he gave them some instructions. Um, before I read this, I want you to imagine with me, maybe you are a parent here this morning or a grandparent, or you give out instructions in some way to people. And so you'll probably give them instructions on what you on what to do or not do because you as the instructor is aware of what's best for them right you, perhaps you experience this in your past and so you're saying hey i have this experience and here are my instructions if i say to my kids don't touch the stove it's hot perhaps it's because i just used it and it is indeed actually hot and I don't want them to get burned. Uh, or maybe you are driving west on the LIE and you're stuck in terrible traffic. So you call your friend and say, hey, I know that you're be driving west in the LA, don't. Find a different route. And most of the time, we listen to these instructions because it comes from a trusted friend, a trusted individual. And so the Lord, he gave his creation instructions as well in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 it says the Lord God took the man he put him in the garden of Eden to work it and care for it and the Lord God commanded the man 
And he said, you are free. Everyone say free. free. Free to eat from any tree in the garden. But you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. And as we continue reading in chapter 2 of Genesis, we see that Adam's in charge of all the animals and the land and the Lord's presence, but he doesn't have anyone to experience it with. So God creates Eve and they're united as one through marriage. And here's an important verse I want us to remember for a leader. It's Genesis 2, verse 25. It says, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Say, no shame. No shame. I mean, can we even imagine what that would feel like to feel no shame? I think our lives can be marked by shame over decisions we made, past and sometimes present, over thoughts we struggle with. And shame really is a regret. Um, because you did blank, you feel bad. But Adam and Eve in this moment they felt no shame at all. And so God gave Adam and Eve each other. He gave them authority of all the lands and the animals. He gave them purpose to work the lands and he gave them freedom to eat and live well. And so we read in Genesis 2, 9, it says the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow in the garden of Eden out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And in the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so we already know the instructions God gave Adam and Eve regarding the trees. He gave them healthy boundaries because he knew what his creation needed the most. He already knew that the tree of knowledge of good and evil would actually compromise them. It would do more harm than good in their lives. So he sets up a boundary and he is authority. And in chapter three, we see someone else enter. Does anyone know who it is? It's the serpent, the serpent. And he comes and he whispers lies to Eve and he deceives them and he tells them things that are contrary to what God said and in that moment perhaps Eve's desire to know something became more of an authority in her life than God's truth and we see her standing in front of the tree that God gave a clear boundary to. Maybe you have, you've had this experience. How did I end up here? But now you have a choice. And it says in Genesis 3, verse 6, when the woman saw that the, tree of the, the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. The fruit, it enticed her. She had this desire to know, this desire for wisdom. 
but her decision, her desire led her to a decision. And her decision was already outside of God's boundary for her life. She goes against God's authority in her life. Have you ever had a decision to make and it felt so difficult, yet you already knew what God said about it? You already knew his boundary for it. And it feels like we have a good excuse to make that decision. I mean, Eve's saying, this tree, it's desirable to gain wisdom. And I want that. But having a good excuse does not mean it's a good choice. And Adam and Eve, they desire wisdom. But true wisdom is found when you obey God. I absolutely love the way the psalmist writes it in Psalm Um, chapter 111, verse 10. He says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All, say all, all who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. So what does fear of the Lord actually even mean, right? Is it that feeling when you're driving and those red and blue lights start flickering behind you and you're like, oh my gosh, is it me? Am I getting pulled over? Is it that kind of fear? Or is it a fear when you get caught doing the wrong thing? Is it that kind of fear that grows wisdom? Well, not quite. The word fear in this passage means an awe and wonder and a reverence. It's an understanding of how great God is, how mighty he is, and how he has all power and authority. I love the way the late Tim Keller writes uh, in his book regarding fear. Um, In his book, The Meaning of Marriage, he writes, fear in the Bible means to be overwhelmed, to be controlled by something. To fear the Lord is to be overwhelmed with wonder before the greatness of God and his love. So when you and I choose to live under God's authority, it means we honor him because he is in control of our lives and our choices. And so for our movie this morning, Ferris, I don't think he's afraid of anyone or has like any reverence for his principal, his parents. He does not fear authority in his life. Um, But we have his friend Cameron. And Cameron, he lives in extreme terror of his father. He is so afraid of what his father is going to do to him. And so he believes that his father loves his 1961 Ferrari more than life itself. You saw that car they picked Sloan up in in (laughs) that school? Well, let's see where they got that from. Let's take a look at this clip. Can you see the rebellion in Ferris's eyes? Yet the fear in Cameron's, right? Cameron, 
he has this unhealthy fear of his father. And I believe because there was a missing ingredient, a real intimate relationship with his dad. And some of us here, maybe that's how we view God. Uh, maybe we're afraid of God because we're just unsure of who he is and what he will do. Um, maybe you're worried the man upstairs is watching you, but it's that kind of fear that negates love. And it's that, that kind of thinking and thought process that will actually drive us to run away from God and to hide and maybe even reject him altogether. But it's true wisdom that comes from recognizing God as authority in our lives. So how do we learn to fear God, how to be in awe of who he is and wonder? And I love this Psalms that King David writes, and I believe it's an encouragement for our lives today. And what was going on was like David had this experience of God as authority in his life. And this is what he says in Psalm chapter 34, verse 11. He says, come my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, Sounds good to me, right? <laughs> Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace, pursue it. So from life experience, David says, I have learned to Fear the Lord, and this is how to do so. He says, watch your words. Say, watch your words. Watch your words. Do you know words have power? I just had this conversation with my kids this morning on the way to church. Your words matter. What we speak and what we say, it will affect those around us. So watch what you say. I mean, if you're like me, like sometimes I'll say something and then I'll be like five seconds later, wait, no, that's not what I meant. That's not how I meant it. And so David's encouraging us to watch our words. And then he says, be truthful. Say, be truthful. Be truthful because lying is evil. It is evil and lying is sinful. And it's sinful because when we lie and, and we, we say an untruth to someone else, we're actually dishonoring that other person. And by dishonoring that other person, we are dishonoring God because that is one of God's children. So he says, watch your words and be truthful. And the last thing David encourages us, he says to do good, say do good. Do good. He says, seek out peace in your life. Pursue a path of peace. Continue towards it in your relationships, in your job, in your home, when you're on the road. Do good. Seek out peace. And so I really think about this when I think about what David writes here for my own life. I think of my children, right? Sometimes I can see the big picture for them. 
maybe you're a manager or you oversee someone or maybe it, you're, you're really close to someone and you're mentoring them and you can see that big picture for their life, but they can't see it yet. And so I think of my children. My son came off the bus uh, this week and he was so angry. I'm like, bud, why are you so mad? What's going on? And he said, I can't stand the bus. I'm so mad. There were some kids on the bus that ripped up his papers on the bus. And that's not nice. And I will be lying to you if I didn't say for a second, like, Mama Bear doesn't want to come out and be like, well, you know, just rip up their papers. But I didn't. I didn't tell him that. <laughs> I told him, I know that you feel hurt and angry. And I know what they did to you was not kind. But your response matters so much. How God wants us to treat others matters. And when I was thinking about that, I really have been reflecting on Hebrews chapter 12. I encourage my small group to read it this week, and I encourage you all to read it this week. Um, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 10, we're going to read it in the message translation. And it says it this way. While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them, right? You do what you think is best. But God is doing what's best for us, training us to live his holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. Can I get an amen, right? Discipline is not fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. Later, of course, it pays off handsomely, for it's the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. And so I'm not here this morning telling you that, oh, it's just going to be easy to do things God's way and to stay within God's boundary, because it's not. But I believe, and my encouragement for you is to believe that God knows exactly what's best for you. And he wants to have an intimate relationship with you and guide you in all your situations in your life. And so unlike Cameron's dad, who they didn't have any real relationship, you and I were invited into a relationship with our heavenly father this morning because God does in fact know what's best for you. However, we have freedom to choose what we're going to do. And the consequences are always very real in our lives. So Adam and Eve, they had a choice and they ate from the tree that God set up a clear boundary to. And so let's see what happens. Genesis chapter three, verse seven, it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and they made coverings for themselves. So they realized they were naked and shame came into their lives. Remember earlier, did they have any concern for being naked? No, they didn't. But when they stepped outside of God's boundary, they open the door to good and evil and the knowledge of it. And the very first feeling was shame. And shame, it's a real result of our sin and our rebellion, as it was for Adam and Eve. 
I think sometimes you and I have this tendency to deceive ourselves into thinking we know what's best. Like I know what the best thing to do here is. And we think we're doing good. I mean, I lived that way for a long time. I thought I know what was best. I mean, what high school senior doesn't think they know what's best, right? But in doing that, we'll set ourselves up as ultimate authority in our lives and we fail at that job 10 out of 10 times because sin is always an epic fail. And Adam and Eve, they have a fail right here. And even though Cameron and Ferris, they have a pretty sweet day off, they fail too. They fail to take the mileage off of the Ferrari. And let's take a look at what happens to Cameron in this moment. Oh boy, poor car. <laughs> Did you see that Cameron's fear of his father? It turned into a rebellion against him. Yeah. And I wonder what Adam and Eve are thinking about how God would respond to their rebellion. It says in Genesis 3, verse 8, Then the man and his wife, they heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, as he did. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, said, where are you? So Adam and Eve, they hide in their shame. But God, he searches in the garden for them. And I think we do this too. We attempt to redefine our bad decisions. We avoid we share passive-aggressive Facebook posts. Man, you know you did it once or twice. We pull away from the people that really care about us. Maybe we stop coming to church or attending our small group. Maybe we stop sharing truth or praying. And we hide in our shame. But the Lord, he searches for us. Have you ever found something that was broken and no one <laughs> to be found around it, right? I have in my, my house, and you know where my children are? They're hiding. They're hiding from the broken evidence. And we do this too. And Adam and Eve, they did this. Their first reaction was to hide Perhaps they thought God was going to be so angry at them and say, I told you so. But you know what? God doesn't do that. He listens to them. He calls out, where are you? And then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 10, Adam says, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And let's just look at what Adam's saying here. He's saying, I was afraid. But this Hebrew word for the word afraid, it actually is different from the word we read in the Psalms that says to fear the Lord. It's a different afraid. He does not have the correct fear of the Lord in this moment. He was afraid because he was ashamed of his 
rebellion and God wasn't authority of his life. He was afraid because he was naked and because he saw the good and the bad. He saw his shortcomings. He saw all his insecurities. He saw his selfish ambitions and he saw his sin. And so he hid from his creator. And I think you and I, we can relate to this type of shame so easily. It's fear and shame that keeps us hiding from God, even though God knew exactly where they were. He knew exactly what happened, and he guides them so gently through this moment. He says, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree I commanded you not to? And the man said, the woman you put me here with, she gave me the fruit to eat from the tree, so I ate it. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman says, the serpent, he deceived me and I ate it. He's just blaming each other. It's like the blame game. You've We've all lived that. But having a good excuse does not mean it's a good choice. And now God, he curses the serpent, but he gives humanity hope. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed you are above all livestock and wild animals. You will crawl on your belly. You'll eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And so this moment is the first prophetic mention of Jesus coming to crush the sin and Satan and the snake. And so it's a beautiful moment of good news for us because God didn't leave Adam and Eve here hiding in their shame. Yes, there was a consequence for their rebellion. They had to leave the garden, but they didn't leave covered in shame. It says in verse 21, the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve and his wife, and he clothed them. The Lord, he doesn't leave us hiding in our shame either. Even though Adam and Eve, they rebelled against God, they chose to disobey, and they sought out wisdom their way. God still provided for them. And you and I, it's our sin that separates us from God, our creator. But the good news is, is that when we confess our sins, he is so gracious to forgive us. And he clothes us with his son, Jesus, the offspring who dies in our place. Have you received Jesus this morning? Or maybe you're thinking about what you've done lately that has removed God as authority in your life. Maybe you have stepped out of the boundary God has set up and you've replaced it with your own desires. Maybe you've made excuses for your actions. And so for Ferris, it looked like a fun day of cutting school. And for Eve, it was seeking out wisdom, the good with the bad. And maybe for us, it's trying to control situations 
people, be right all the time. It's this kind of thinking that puts us as authority in our lives instead of God. But it's real wisdom comes from placing God as the true authority in our lives. So as we fear the Lord, does not mean we need to hide from him and be afraid. It means we get to go to him because that's where true wisdom is. And so I believe God is saying to all of us this morning, he's saying, where are you? Just like he looked for Adam and Eve, he looks for you and me. He sent his son for us. In John three seventeen, it says, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. We're not condemned, but we are saved through Jesus. And God doesn't condemn Adam and Eve, and he doesn't condemn us, but there are consequences. And some of you are living in your consequences right now. But however, Jesus, he paid the ultimate consequence for sin and death, and he was separated from his father. Because Jesus, he died on a different tree. We are invited from, to turn from our selfish impulses and share in his holiness. And Adam and Eve, they ate from the tree for selfish reasons. But Jesus, he died on a tree for selfless, so selflessly, so that anyone, see anyone, anyone who believes in him won't be condemned by their shame, but free to share in God's wisdom. I want to end with an invitation for all of us. First, I'm going to read Proverbs 9.10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And this is just a beautiful foreshadowing of Jesus' coming. He is the Holy One. And I promise you, knowing Jesus, it will transform your story. So maybe today you came through these doors holding a lot of shame on you from selfish decisions and poor choices. But today you can leave knowing that Jesus came not to condemn you in your shame, but to cover you with his blood, to cover you with his clothes, as we saw he did for Adam and Eve. To know God is the reason Blaze Church exists. It's the purpose of this moment that we had together. And today might be your first day of knowing him as a real authority in your life. And we wanna celebrate and invite you in just a moment. But maybe you're here this morning and you have confessed your sins to Jesus and you do know him and you want him to be authority over all areas of your life. Maybe right now you're thinking of some of those areas where he hasn't been authority and that you have left, let your selfish desires drive you. And this morning, I'm going to pray for all of us that we would be surrendered to him as Lord and authority over all areas of our heart. 
I encourage you this week, read Proverbs. There's one for every day, chapter a day. Let his word sink into your heart and let his wisdom be why you fear him in awe and wonder. So I'm gonna pray over you and then in just a moment, I invite you to know Jesus. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you are authority over our lives. I thank you for every person here, Lord, as we bow our heads and close our eyes, God, you search our hearts. You're telling us right now what it is that we have put other things in front of you. And right now we confess and repent to you, God. We want you as true authority over our lives. In Jesus' name I pray this, amen.